All right, guys, welcome back to the STT podcast. I have a very special guest on with me today. You guys might know her from one of our amazing coaches in the STT community, um, but you also might know her as Jacqueline Lives Well on Instagram. So I'm going to let Jacqueline uh, quickly introduce herself, give a little background on her, and then we'll kind of dive into what, what we'll be talking about today. Thank you, Caitlin. I'm super excited to be here. I've been waiting for this podcast to come just like from having my own podcast. I was like, please do this. Like it's such a fun way to connect with people. And I listen to podcasts all the time. So very, very pumped to be here. But yeah, as Caitlin said, I am, my name is Jacqueline. You might know me as Jacqueline Lives Well on Instagram. I am a registered dietitian um, and a coach with Strive to Thrive, obviously. Um, also a certified personal trainer. I Recently graduated from The Ohio State University, um, majoring in medical dietetics, where I also completed my dietetic internship and took the RD exam this summer and everything. So it's been a wild ride, but very, very happy to be here and discuss some things around nutrition and diet culture today. Yes, it's been super cool seeing you, uh, you know, now being a coach in STT for over a year, go through your dietetic internships and pass your exam, become a registered dietitian, and being able to have that credential is so amazing. So we're very lucky to have Jacqueline here at STT, and she just provides so much value for the community and the clients that get to work with her. So today we're going to be diving into diet culture. We're going to be talking all things intuitive eating. This is Jacqueline's like forte. So I'm really excited for her to kind of touch on this topic, um, but kind of going into, you know, some of the patterns that Jacqueline had to break out of herself to reach this level of freedom when it comes to food and really looking at food differently. Um, you know, we live in a society where, you know, we're constantly seeing the next best fad diet or the next best way to lose 20 or 30 pounds. And it can be very toxic if we're not careful. So first and foremost, I kind of want to identify like diet culture as a whole. Um, what does this really look like Jacqueline and what should people kind of look out for? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like you said, I think it's so important to point out that we are all surrounded by these diet culture messages every single day. Like on social media, commercials on TV, like magazines in the grocery stores and just everywhere. And it's very, it's nearly impossible to avoid, I say a lot of times. Um, but really when I am describing or explaining what diet culture is, I like to refer to um, this registered dietitian that I am very inspired by. She wrote this book called Anti-Diet. She is really an expert on diet culture. So her name is Christy Harrison. So if you don't know who she is, I highly encourage you to um, look her up and maybe even read her book if you're interested in learning more about these things. Um, but to kind of dive into what she describes diet culture as, because I think that she says it much better than I ever could, to be completely honest. Um, she says that diet culture is a system of beliefs that does four different things for the most part. So one thing that diet culture really does and focuses on is it worships thinness and equates thinness to um, health and moral virtue and things like that, which means that a lot of us, if we are entrenched in diet culture, we might spend our whole life thinking that, you know, we aren't good enough or our bodies are broken because we don't look like the quote unquote thin ideal. Um, and then another thing that diet culture does is it promotes weight loss kind of as a means of attaining higher status. So a lot of times this makes us feel compelled to spend massive amounts of time, energy, money, again, just trying to shrink our bodies into that thin idea 
ideal, I mean, and it's a lot of times just not something that is sustainable. And it's a lot of fad diets, kind of like Caitlin was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that diet culture does that I am extremely passionate about just dismantling, I guess, is it de- demonizes certain ways of eating while really elevating others. So, you know, there's diets that demonize carbs. There's diets that demonize fat. Like there's so many different things out there. Um, and then there's like clean eating. So that's like one that might be elevated. And it's like, at the end of the day, I think about it. I'm like, if we were to try to listen to all these messages that diet culture sends us, we would be eating nothing. We would be drinking water. Maybe we wouldn't even be drinking water. Like there'd be something wrong with that too, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's crazy. Um, and then the last thing that I think is really important to bring up about diet culture is it really like oppresses people. And I think there's like a society or societal aspect to this because it oppresses those who don't really match up with the supposed picture of quote unquote health. Like people, um, especially women, I will say, or even people that are in larger bodies, people of co- color, people with disabilities, um, just really damaging both their mental and physical health. So it's really sad that we are as a society so entrenched in this, but once we can like just become aware of our surroundings and be, be aware of what diet culture is and then actively work to go against it, that's what can lead towards like this ultimate food freedom. And also as you are aware of it and maybe talking about it more, setting more boundaries, you may also in turn help others in your life just become more aware of it and dismantle it along the way as well. So that was kind of a lot, but hopefully that kind no, of that was that was great. And I think too, like you were saying, like as women in society, like growing up, I remember being like in middle school and high school, and there wasn't really such thing as social media. So we didn't really have as many people to compare ourselves to. We were in school without cell phones, without Instagram, without TikTok, without, you know, constantly seeing this like ideal quote, quote, perfect body. But then I do remember as I got older, it was more so again, seeing like magazines in grocery stores with my mom and being like, why don't I look like that? You know? And then as social media became bigger and bigger, Nowadays, you know, a 13, 14 year old girl can be sitting in her class, scrolling through Instagram, seeing bodies and pictures and all these things at her disposal, uh, without really any sort of like, what's the word, like monitoring, I guess you could say. And so you can't, you can't always, um, avoid it. So it's, it's just everywhere. So it's very easy for us as a society to, put this expectation of having this perfect body or this perfect approach to, um, to, you know, get to where we want to go health and fitness wise. When in reality, this is what really puts a big halt on the progress that people can actually be making when it comes to their health and fitness. Um, so what would you say with diet culture? Like, what did that do to you? Like, especially like as a young adult, um, you know, through high school, college, like, did you, could you identify any time where it really took a toll on you? Absolutely. Diet culture did a lot of unfortunate things to, I think, my mental and physical health. Like as I started getting on social media, like you mentioned, and um, different things like that. Because I remember, like in middle school, I don't even know. If, well, I guess Instagram kind of was. It started to become a thing then, but. I was always an athlete growing up. I never worried about really how I looked or what I ate. I was just like a very active person and ate whatever I wanted when I wanted. Um, However, the moment that really stands out to me is that when I was a freshman in high school, I was what, 15 years old. And I was going to Mexico with a friend for spring break. And I just remember like, for some reason, getting this thought in my mind or feeling the pressure to like, look good in my bikini. 
And so I decided to go on my first diet and this wasn't any specific diet. Like it wasn't keto. It wasn't intermittent fasting. It wasn't clean eating. And at the time it was very, very innocent for me. Um, and it just slowly was like eating a little bit less. And then it kind of spiraled eating less and less and less. Um, and as I started eating less, I obviously started to become much more hungry. Cause like I said, I was an athlete. I was lifting weights in the morning. I would have sports practices for two hours after school. So then I was like, well, I need to keep eating less, but I'm so hungry. So now I started looking up ways to like suppress my appetite and came across a lot of things that I now realize to be extremely harmful. And just a lot of nutrition misinformation that at the end of the day was all influenced and entrenched by diet culture, which is why I'm so passionate now about speaking true nutrition information, because I know how harmful it was for me. And as a dietitian, as a coach, I've seen how harmful it can be for others too. Um, So ultimately, like this restriction and this first diet is what led me into my eating disorder when I was just 15 years old. Um, Because like I said, I slowly started eating less and less. I was just very hyper fixated and obsessed with food. I started watching all of these like full day of eating videos on YouTube, trying new supplements. And again, all of those things truly did stem from diet culture and I do want to point out, like, this is just my story. This isn't saying that going on a diet will cause you to have an eating disorder. Um, But it did for me, unfortunately. And I think that's also because of who I am and a lot of the traits that I hold, for example, like being a perfectionist, having a type A personality and things along those lines. Um, But another thing that I was actually learning just earlier this week um, through doing like my training to becoming a certified intuitive eating counselor is that the research has shown that 35% of normal dieters will progress to disordered eating, which is over a third of people. And that is profound. Huge. Mm -hmm. That's insane. No, it's crazy too. Cause like you said, you know, being in a dieting phase, there's nothing wrong with that. If you're doing it the right way, if you are someone who's at a place where you are healthy and eating enough food to where putting yourself into a deficit, isn't going to be detrimental to the way that you're feeling your energy, your health. But I think a lot of people are so quick to want to diet that they do end up putting themselves into a deeper hole because now we have women who are already only eating a thousand to 1200 calories. And they're like, well, I'm going to go on a dieting phase now. And then, you know, where do you have to go with a thousand to 1200 cal? Like that shouldn't even be the end goal of your diet normally. (laughs) So it's just, it's just crazy because, you know, like you were saying, diet culture does give a lot of people, not just women, the idea that you need to always be like dieting and reaching this next aesthetic physique goal or whatever. And while there's nothing wrong with a dieting phase, if you're someone who has very specific goals, or maybe you like really just need to lose weight for health reasons, doing it the right way or having someone who can work with you through it is going to help you yield the result without putting your, your health in a potentially dangerous place. Um, so I loved, you know, I think that you and I kind of both come from very similar backgrounds in a sense where it started out very innocent Mm -hmm. and it dug us pretty deep into, yeah, the, the eating disorder patterns. Um, so coming out of that phase of life, um, how did you have to view food and kind of shift your perspective on food and just diet culture and health, everything as a whole to kind of start progressing in a more healthy way. 
Yeah. Um, so kind of touching on, I guess, like the ways that I broke out of the restrictive patterns. So I would, yes. Okay. Um, I think, well, one thing I would say is that what sparked me like realizing, okay, this is an actual issue was a lot of the health concerns that were coming up for me. Cause like, I realized how much the restriction was obviously impacting my physical body, but overall, like my mental well being as well. Like I, one, I lost my period. I was missing out on social outings, like in high school and in the beginning of college, I just felt very low energy. Digestion was terrible. I was kind of a mess. And these things scared me. And I was like, I need to break out of this. Mm -hmm. And the biggest, biggest thing for me, I have had so many people ask me this question, like, how did you, you know, start recovering from your eating disorder? And that for me was 100% reaching out for help, like from a dietitian and a therapist um, in the beginning of college, because I didn't throughout high school, and I probably should have I waited a little bit too long. um, Because I like thought I wasn't ready, or I thought I didn't need the help. But the moment that I did that, and just having a team who understood me, supported me, helped me to stay accountable and taught me like those new ways of thinking about food and my body was essential for me in the process. Mm-hmm. And then another thing I think that was also helpful specifically to me because I was in school to become a registered dietitian, actually learning about nutrition and the facts of nutrition made me kind of have this realization like, wow, I really was not giving my body nearly the amount of macronutrients or micronutrients that it needed. And that's probably why things were crumbling to the ground, right? Mm -hmm. So through my education, I was able to learn about why bodies need adequate carbs, fats, and proteins, and the way or the role that they play in our bodies, our metabolism, our hormone health, our digestion, and all of those things. So knowing the nutritional science of it really helped me to break out of these patterns and fuel my body again. And the last point I will make is like, it was not an easy process and it took years and years. And it's probably one of the hardest things that I've ever done in my life, but it also has me in the position where I am today, helping others through that. So like, in a way, I'm very grateful that I did go through it, but obviously I didn't realize that at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like getting your information from a credible source, someone who's educated to be able to give you the real deal inside scoop on why we need carbs, fat, protein, because a lot of the things that we read and a lot of the things that just society reads as a whole aren't written by people with like, you know, health backgrounds or anything of the sort, no credibility to be giving people advice to cut carbs out or eat a thousand calories a day or train seven days a week. Um, so, so seeing that can be very misleading for a lot of people. So I think, yeah, the advice of having a team like you did to support you, like, you know, not just speaking on on an eating disorder background, but also just, if you're someone who's struggling to really understand what approach you should take with your health and fitness, and you're just someone who's like skimming through Instagram, kind of taking the advice of things you see online, ask someone who, who has the ability to help you that has the education to support you the right way. And when you were talking about even before you said something about like the full days of, of eatings on Instagram. And you know, what's so funny is you've actually given me a lot of perspective on kind of why I stopped posting them for a while too. I think the thing that irks me the most about full days of eatings is when someone posts a full day of eating and the first clip is of the, is them showing their body. Yes. To me, like now seeing that stuff, cause I've not posted, I, I don't even think when I did full days of eatings, I've ever done that, but it's always the full days of eatings that are like, 
here's me in a sports bra with abs and all my muscles popping out. And then let me show you what I eat. It's like, we don't need to be showcasing a body because just because this body looks a certain way from eating that amount of food or whatever, that's kind of telling someone, oh, well, I should just eat exactly what she's eating. And Mm -hmm. so that right there is a really misleading factor that again, I've kind of pulled back from myself, even doing full days of eating because I see the benefit behind like, oh, you know, my perception of full days of eating is to give people some food ideas or like, Mm -hmm. Hey, this is an easy way to make like a quick dinner, or this is what my breakfast looks like. It only took me five minutes. But I think the, the reason why I've kind of shifted away from that is because of the fact that I never want people to think, well, if I eat all the foods Caitlin eats, I'm going to look like Caitlin. Um, so these are things that we don't always know how powerful they can really be or the impact it's really making on someone. So again, like being intentional with the the kind of content that we make is super important because you just never know who you're influencing, you know? Right. Um, you just made me think of that before when you had said like the full days of eatings, cause they used to be like all the rage. They were everywhere. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's crazy. Like most of us we're on Instagram. We're probably on Instagram multiple times per day. And we are internalizing those messages so much that so much more than we realize. Like you said, it's really powerful. And that's why also, I always say it's so important to like curate your feed to people who are going to actually serve you, make you feel good about yourself rather than right. lead you into like the negative feelings, the comparison trap, because yep. yeah, you and I, we could eat the exact same thing every day and we could look completely still different. Be different. Yeah, exactly. Like, everyone's bodies has different needs. <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, and yeah, like Jacqueline said, following people that, I mean, I've come to a place in my life at 28 years old where I know the lifestyle that I really enjoy living. I love going out to dinner. I'm a huge foodie. I love being able to like go to different restaurants. Jacqueline's like nodding her head because she's like, yeah, me too. But <laughs> we, we both just like love the the food experience that comes along with trying new places. So I follow a lot of people that kind of live similar lifestyles. They're always posting about like restaurants or fun new places that they try. I follow a lot of like food pages because anytime I travel, I want to see if there's a place that I could try in that city. So to me, like I don't necessarily follow a lot of like bodybuilders, not because I don't respect them, but just because mm-hmm. I'm not a bodybuilder, right? Like I, I strength train and focus on my physique for more so like health reasons, but I don't really align with like a bodybuilder lifestyle. So I'm going to follow more people who align with mine. So, um, I like that you said that too, like following people that can provide value education, but also perspective on how to also live that kind of flexible lifestyle, which I feel like you're really good at as well. Um, so moving into like clients and how you really help clients like shift this perspective, um, as well, like what would you say you really focus on with clients to help them achieve, achieve, (laughs) achieve, um, ultimate food freedom? Yeah. So a few different things here, which we'll probably get into macros, but I think one of the biggest things for me and something that I work with my clients through eventually is intuitive eating, because that is the long-term goal for every single one of our clients. Right. And intuitive eating is like really what helped me view food differently and just in a more positive light. Um, I always think about specifically the principle of intuitive eating, which is principle number three, making peace with food, because it's all about giving yourself unconditional permission to eat all foods at any time. And I am someone who preaches to all of my clients that all foods can fit in a balanced diet, right? There's no good foods. There's no bad foods. Well, yes, I'm a 
dietitian, I know that there are foods that are more nutrient dense right. than others, but still that, that doesn't mean that we need to label spinach as good. And I don't a know, a cookie, cookie as yeah. bad, <laughs> right? Like, because when we play into that food morality and the labeling food, we are still probably going to feel more apt to be feeling guilty when we eat those foods that we deem as bad or as unhealthy. And oftentimes this is just going to lead to a cycle. Cause I've seen this with so many clients coming to me, right? They're like, oh, I feel like I'm like dieting, but then I'm binging on all of these foods and overeating them because that's a fact. Like biologically, if we tell ourselves that we can't or shouldn't have a particular food, it's going to lead to those intense feelings of like deprivation and build into un uncontrollable cravings and then often the binging, right? So um, really just focusing on like, I can have all of these foods and I don't need to restrict myself to these foods. And that's very eye-opening for a lot of people. Cause they're like, once I give myself that permission, I'm no longer feeling the need to overeat it. Cause I no longer hold that scarcity mindset. Right. Um, so really just viewing foods as neutral is key to a healthy relationship with food and shifting your perspective on it. Um, all foods at the end of the day, provide our bodies with nourishment and energy. So a lot of times, like if I do have clients that are stuck in this mindset that they may still view specific foods as bad or unhealthy, I kind of have them tell me, I'm like, okay, what foods are you restricting because of these reasons? And I want you to write down like two positive things about these foods. So an example that I like to give is ice cream because I love ice cream. I eat ice cream almost every day. Um, so we may think ice cream is bad because it's high in sugar or it's high in fat, or at least like that's the stories that we might hear from diet culture. But I'm like, what if instead we think about how carbs give our bodies energy and glucose is our body's preferred source of energy. Yep. And then on top of that, let's think about, oh, wow, like there's calcium, there's vitamin D in ice cream. And that can also help like our bones stay strong. Right. So that's just like such a little silly kind of example, but just shifting the perspective and like noting out the positives um, is always something that it helped me. And it, I've seen it help my clients like flourish in their relationship with food so, so much. Yeah. I love that. And it, it comes back to, like you were saying, if you're telling yourself you can't have something, you're going to think about it all the time. It's like, if you tell someone like, yeah, you're not allowed to have cookies they're going to think about cookies all the time. And then what's going to happen is they're probably going to end up binging on cookies because they miss them so much. <laughs> mm -hmm. yep. Um, and it was so funny because like, I remember when I was deep in my eating disorder, I never ate bagels. Like I just mm -hmm. was like, that's just not a food I can eat. And then coming out of it, I remember like slowly incorporating bagels again. And now I have one at least every day, but yeah. it's just funny because it's like, the one thing you're telling yourself you're not allowed to have is going to be such a prevalent thought that comes up probably like all day, every day. And it's similar to like, you know, when you go out to dinner on the weekends, a lot of people think, well, I need to starve myself all day because I'm going out to dinner tonight. And then what ends up happening is they think, oh, I saved all these calories for dinner. And then they end up going to dinner and then they end up actually overeating and eating more calories than they would have ate in the first place if they just went to the dinner because now mm -hmm. they're ravenous. They're so hungry. And then this is again, what ends up happening with like binge eating and just feeling like that lack of control around food. At the end of the day, we have all of the control and the tools that we need to have a good approach with our nutrition. 
all that's happening is the way that you're thinking about the food itself. And I feel like that's where the biggest barrier lies for so many people is the restriction, the telling themselves they can't have this, the waiting until the dinner to eat anything all day and showing up ravenous and eating six appetizers and entree desserts, like, you know, everything in moderation. But like Jacqueline was saying, like, it all starts with just changing your perception of what can this food do for me? Or like, what do I really like about this food? What can it provide for me? Instead of looking at it as this like foreign object that, oh my gosh, if I have this, like God only knows what's going to happen to my stomach or this, my cellulite or whatever. And it's just this, this story that we tell ourselves that it is hard to break, but it's all about the baby steps. Like little by little, just building to a place where again, you can, you can view food as fuel and an opportunity for your body to feel nourished day to day. For sure. Yeah. And I also always say like, there's no one food that's going to cause us to gain weight. Exactly. Right? Like, no, I'm like a bagel. Like I literally <laughs> think eating lettuce would make me skinny. Like the lettuce <laughs> itself was going to just make me skinny and the, the cream cheese or the peanut butter, it would just instantly make me fat. Like these are yeah. actual thoughts that people have. And mm-hmm. th- th- yeah, like you were saying, there's not one singular food that's going to just, it's not going to go straight to our thighs. It's not going <laughs> to go straight to our stomach. Like when people say like, oh, this ice cream is going straight. To-, I'm like, actually, no, that's not. <laughs> That's not how that works. It's probably not. It's probably just digesting in your intestines. Probably like, yeah, slowly going through your intestines. Like it's probably in there, but (laughs) I wouldn't say that it's just found its place to your love handles. That's not, that's not what it's doing. Um, Oh my gosh. Stories for another time. Um, (laughs) So give us some insight into kind of like what your life looks like now. Um, Obviously you're far removed from your eating disorder, but like day to day, like what really allows for you to show up? feeling healthy, feeling fueled. Um, just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. I would say now my life and my relationship with food is very intuitive, very neutral, um, where I am going out to eat with friends on the weekends and I'm not worrying one ounce really about what I'm eating. Like my relationship with food is very free. It's very flexible, very spontaneous, and also very balanced. Like I may also eat different day to day based on my body's needs, because as an intuitive eater, like I'm just listening to my body's hunger and fullness cues a lot of the times. And some Mm -hmm. days I may be hungrier than others. And I honor that because that's something that is always ebb and flowing. Like maybe one day um, I had a super hard leg workout, or maybe I am approaching my cycle. Like I just know my body's kind of reactions to where hunger cues might ebb and flow. And I'm always going to act on that and honor that. However, obviously, again, I am a registered dietitian, so I'm going to be mindful about my nutrition. Um, I mean, I'm talking about this stuff every single day. Um, So like some examples is like, I make sure that I'm eating every three to four hours because I know that that is important. So I get enough energy and so that like blood sugar doesn't drop so I can stay focused at the work that I'm doing and things like that. And, you know, I also make sure that I'm mindful about getting enough protein in because I know that that is going to make me feel more satisfied from my meals. Obviously I'm making sure I'm eating fruits and vegetables because I need to get enough micronutrients and fiber. So like very free, flexible balance. And I think a lot of times people, I wasn't even going to get into this, but I will. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of times people just like think, oh, intuitive eating, like that's just a free for all. I'm going to eat donuts and ice cream all day. And like, in the beginning, if you restricted those foods, yes, you might be eating them more usual than you 
or more than you typically would, just because again, it's coming back to what we were talking about earlier, just kind of that rebound eating where I restricted it. Now you want it so much, but ultimately like our bodies know best and your body will start craving more of those nutrient dense foods again. And like, I have totally experienced that and I've seen clients experience that. So it's, it's an amazing process, but like overall, I'm no longer obsessed with these things that I'm talking about. I'm just mindful because I know doing these things, engaging these habits is what truly makes me feel best. And I feel like I'm always more so focusing on how I feel nowadays versus like how I look physically or aesthetically. Totally. And I loved what you said too, about like people making the assumption that as an intuitive eater, you're just eating shit all day. And you know, the same thing can be said for tracking macros because I know when I first started tracking macros and understanding macros, I was fitting in all of the junk quote, quote, junk food, but you know, everything and anything I could fit into my macros. And God, I, I bring it back to even like the days where we would all make those like really gross, like one carb waffles or like sort of like bowl that you heat up with like whey. I don't even know, like just all this stuff that like, now I'm like, I would just not, I just don't want to eat that. Quest bars. Can we talk about quest bars? Heated up quest bars that literally would turn into like rubber. Yeah. It's a brick. It's a brick. (laughs) But like when I first started tracking macros, I was like, well, now that I know what ranges I'm supposed to hit, like I need to, I need to fit this like more like junk food kind of stuff into my diet because like, I just, this is what I feel like I need. Um, or like, I want the ability to enjoy this stuff because it fits into my macros. So the same thing can be said for someone that makes the assumption, well, as an intuitive eater, how do you really stay on top of getting enough fruits and vegetables in, staying on top of protein, et cetera. But, you know, even if you track macros, it can be the same thing. If you're just Mm -hmm filling your macros. It's not the best, most nutritious food. So it does come down to being mindful in both regards, being mindful about what you're filling your macros with. If you do track macros and then being mindful of what you're eating as an intuitive eater as well, because if you care about your health, like you will incorporate fruits and vegetables, healthy fats, et cetera. So whether you're tracking macros or not, the same thing can be said for either that you can still enjoy ice cream and cookies and brownies, but that's not going to be the majority of what your diet is made up of. Right. Right. You probably won't feel the best. I mean, (laughs) but would we encourage it? Probably not. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we definitely want to get those vitamins and minerals in. Um, so words of advice for someone who probably looks up to you as this person who like, wow, she's reached this level of freedom with food. She has a healthy relationship with the gym. Like, you know, she goes out on the weekends and can have a drink if she wants and have delicious appetizers and food. Like, What's your advice for someone wanting to also reach this level of food freedom? Yeah. So I would say a couple of things, you know, if you are listening to this and you feel like you are struggling with your relationship with food, or maybe overall, you're just confused about nutrition and confused about what your body needs. Tip number one, which you will probably not be surprised by is reach out for help because I talked about this earlier. This is the thing that helped me the most heal my relationship with food. Um, and just working with a coach, working with a dietitian to help guide you through this because they have that education, right? So they can help to teach you so that you can thrive in these areas long-term, I think is the most beneficial thing you can do for yourself. And I'll always say a short-term investment for your long-term health is always, always worth it. So Mm -hmm. that is the biggest tip I would say. And then secondly, 
I think another thing is just like listening to your body a little bit more um, and honoring its needs. Because like I was saying earlier, our bodies know best and they're working every single day just to keep us alive. Like our organs are functioning, take care of us. And when we can dial in on those things and honor our body's needs, honor our cravings and not have to rely on like the external rules of diet culture and just coming back to our internal awareness. I think that's a lot of times where that food freedom will come. So that would definitely be like my second tip and something that you can begin focusing on today, even if you aren't working with someone, but I would highly recommend working with someone. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I think the the outside accountability is so beneficial because at STT, it's, we have a really unique coaching staff in a sense where, you know, we have Jacqueline, who's a registered dietitian. We have Kelsey, who's a registered nurse, Colleen, a physical therapist, Sarah and Katie, both certified personal trainers with other specializations. Like we're just here to work as a unit. And I feel like with having all the education backgrounds that we do, it's really beneficial for any client that comes to the team, because now you have a team of six coaches who can put their heads together, constantly brainstorm ideas, but it's going to also like shorten the span of time that a client will waste constantly spinning their wheels, trying to find the answers on their own. When you can have like that second pair of eyes on your goals, on your dieting history, on your food preference, on your exercise level, and then come up with a plan and strategy that, you know, is tailored to what you need to be successful because it's not a one size fits all approach. And I think that that's where a lot of people get frustrated is they do see other people on social media taking this approach or this approach, or, you know, maybe they see someone who's an intuitive eater, but they don't even know what a macro is. So you've got to go through the building blocks of what really yields like the success of a health and fitness journey, because I've been on my journey for eight years. You've been on your journey for, you know, what, six, seven years. Right. So we've been doing this a really long time. And Jacqueline and myself, we didn't get here by just guessing. We didn't get here by just figuring it out as we go. We've asked for help. We've gotten the education we need. We have the tools. We've had coaches. We've had mentors. So being able to actually be like a student in a sense on your health and fitness journey is so beneficial for the long run because instead of just buying the latest Weight Watchers program or the latest Atkins diet program <laughs> or Beach Body or anything that's just very temporary, invest in something that will give you the tools that you can implement until you're literally a hundred years old. You know, like, like none of the things that we're doing now, and I always bring it back to this, like my lifestyle today is something that I could do forever. It's not something yeah. that I'll ever really have to change. I'm not, not really ever going to have to change the way that I train, unless I decide I like a different style of training, I'm not really going to have to ever change the way that I'm eating. Maybe I'll have to adjust at some point how much or, you know, certain amounts of stuff, but the foods that I'm eating really won't ever have to change. So I always like to tell people, if you are currently following a diet that is very temporary and it is something that ends in two weeks, and then you have to figure something else out, that's not something that is sustainable. So if you really want to be successful, like Jacqueline was saying on your health and fitness journey, it starts with finding an approach that is something that you can carry with you for the long term. And if that means hiring a coach to help you understand that process, don't waste your money on something that's only going to maybe help you lose those first 10 pounds. And then what do you do, right? Find something where you actually can work with someone one-on-one, one-on-one coaching, mentorship, status where this person is going to be able to give you all the tools and education you need, whether you work with them for three months or six months after those months together, like you feel fully confident 
taking off on your own. And I think that's what really, really sets apart like one-on-one coaching versus just a guide that you can buy online or the latest diet that you see in on TikTok or Instagram, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That is something to always look out for. You made so many good points there and my brain was like going, going, going. Um, But something to look out for is like, yes, if you see something that's like you lose 20 pounds in three weeks, like that is a red flag that is not sustainable. Like that is one thing to look out for that I probably should have mentioned like when we were just initially talking about diet culture. Um, But what is the other thing I want to touch on? Oh, what you were saying about like how we are really truly setting our clients up for long-term success, because I was talking to a client right before I jumped on this and um, we've been working together for a full year now, which I think like a full year is a great amount of time to like get get that confidence, like have that under your belt and then go off on your own. And like, it's, it's always sad for me, obviously, when I'm working with clients for a year, because I'm like, we talk every single week, and I then, know, like, we're not yeah. going to be talking anymore. But ultimately, like, I was sending her a voice memo. And I was like, this honestly does like as sad as it is, it makes my heart so warm and so happy, because she was like, I don't think I'm going to be continuing. But I honestly just feel so confident. I'm in such a good place. And I was just like, yeah wow, like that, that is what I want. And yeah. seeing that just makes me so happy because she's at a place where she can do this forever. Like you were 100%. saying, and I think that's so empowering. Yes. Like the value that you get out of something like this is just so powerful when you're working with a coach that genuinely wants the best for you. And I always say this too, but it's like working with any coach here, like you're going to get, you know, not only just the community of women who are doing such similar trying to achieve such similar things, but also just like a connection with a coach that genuinely wants the best for you because they've likely been in your shoes before and don't want you to do the same thing that they did. And I think that's where the passion of coaching especially came from for me years ago, because my idea of helping women was like, let me help them avoid what I did wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And not only that, but let me also help them get to where I am now much faster <laughs> than, yeah. uh, than it took me on my eight years of getting here. Right. So it's, it's certainly a ride, but if you have the ability to ask for help, it's going to take you so, so far, especially when working and, uh, paired with the right person. So absolutely. thank you so much for coming on today. Anything you want to leave anyone with before we hop off? Anything I want to leave anyone with? I'm going to say, believe in yourself and be patient Aww. with yourself. Believe in yourself and be patient (laughs) because it's not easy, but you can do it. Whatever journey you're on. You guys heard it here first. Believe in yourself, be patient, trust the process and ask for the guidance and tools. Don't be as scared to admit that you need help. I think that's one of the biggest things too. Um, if yeah. you guys want to follow Jacqueline, like we said, her page is Jacqueline lives well. Um, you guys can also find her, I'm sure all over the STT page, of course, but, uh, Jacqueline, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for coming on and have an amazing day guys. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me.